Right, good morning everybody. Happy Resurrection Day. And this is always one of my favorite holidays, especially especially this last decade. It's just been really my, one of my favorite holidays now as we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, good morning to you all. Welcome. Um, just a little announcement, we won't have Bible study tonight. Actually, we won't be having our Terrace Bible study in the next two weeks. Uh, we just finished our book. You've already got it last Sunday. And we're going to be starting a new book uh, May 5th. Uh, that'll be Cinco de Mayo. And uh, so the, uh, May 5th, we'll start a new book called A Better Way to Pray. And so we're going to uh, pick up right where uh, with that book on starting May 5th. So no uh, Sunday night Bible saying the next two Sundays. And today I'm actually uh, deterring from our normal uh, message, our series on... Uh, uh, wisdom, wisdom being the principal thing, we will pick that up uh, later on. Um, but uh, we uh, today, I want for Easter, I wanted to to do an Easter message, uh, and I've titled this one this morning, "Raised with Christ." Uh, feel free to keep following us on our web, new website, uh, Life Discipleship. Uh, dis I'm sorry, excuse me, I said I said that totally wrong. Well, I like to what church you go to? Um, LighthouseDiscipleship.org. Our website, new website, Life Discipleship. Light, excuse me, LighthouseDiscipleship.org. So, okay, I think I need to wake up this morning. Um, anyway, even if you uh, don't have that, even our old website now has been linked to our new website. Uh, we had a, some hiccups with that, but anyway, you should be able to find us. Anyway, the reason I was going there is all. Our event calendar, we update that make every week. We keep a good eye on that, and that's always pretty accurate. So you kind of see our schedule, well, especially over the next couple of weeks. We're going to have some some Bible studies and services canceled here and there, and so we just want to, and that can happen from time to time. So it's a good idea to check our website to see what's going on. Okay. So anyway, here we are uh, again. Happy Resurrection Sunday, and we're going to start and go ahead and jump right into our message this morning. On Raised with Christ is the title of my message this morning, and I'm excited about that. You know, it's not really a challenge to do our Easter message because we always teach on Easter. We always teach on the finished work of the cross. We always teach from the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. In every message we teach, even our wisdom series that we're teaching, we, that is the foundation of everything we teach here. In other words, I don't know how to teach anything else. I don't want to teach anything else. I don't have a desire to teach anything else. The moment we start teaching something else, I'm done. And so uh, I'm not interested. <coughs> I'm here to preach Christ and Him crucified. I'm here to preach the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. With the emphasis this morning on we are raised with Christ. So with that, we'll go ahead and jump right in. Go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles this morning to... Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, and let me get this switched here. First Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll be starting with verse 1 here. Thank you for your patience as I'm waiting for the Bible app to, to come up here. 
Corinthians 15, verse 1. Okay, we're ready to go. Just had a little slow start there this morning. And Paul says, he's right here, he says, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again <coughs> the third day according <coughs> excuse me, the Scriptures. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. The death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we believe, is the foundational message of all Scripture. We believe it's the central point of all Scripture. Both the Old Covenant foreshadows this, the New Covenant reveals this. Even in a few weeks when we're done with our wisdom series, we're going to be talking, uh, we're going to do a, a small series on seeing Jesus in the in the Revelation. And we're going to walk through uh, some of the, the, book of, the book of Revelation, but the focus is going to see Jesus. The focus is going to see His grace in the Revelation of Jesus. I, I, I've been studying that right now and I'm ready to preach that now almost, but I want to stick focus on this one. But my, my point is, all Scripture, <clears throat> the essential point, the foundational message, uh, all scripture is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the central point. In fact, Paul goes on to say, if you scroll down to verse 14, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty or in vain. And your faith is also empty or in vain. If Christ isn't risen from the dead, which we are celebrating this morning, then our faith and our preaching, our message, is in vain. If that's not the central point, if that's not the foundational message that we preach, then everything we preach, everything we believe, is in vain. And it's empty. But Paul goes on to say, verse 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead, and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Christ is risen from the the dead. Amen? Amen. And in that, when we study the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we will see, and we'll see it in just a few moments when we go to Romans 6, but uh, we'll see that we were crucified with Christ, we were buried with Christ, and we were also raised together with Him. And when we see, and then my, my favorite scripture that most of you know, is that he who knew no sin became sin that we might become or be born of the righteousness of God. The death, burial, and resurrection point to changing our identity in Christ. In fact, this whole concept of being in Christ, and we're going to study that this morning, this whole concept of being in Christ this, this concept, this, that phrase, and, and the verbiage 
of in Christ is recorded over 130 times in the epistles. Paul, James, Peter, John, etc. have mentioned who we are in Christ over 130 times. And if you were to study all 130 of those instances where the epistle writers talk about who we are in Christ, you'll come up with seven different aspects of what we are in Christ. I want to just highlight those those for you this morning. Uh, Who we are in Christ comes down to seven main aspects. And there it is. We were crucified with Christ. We died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We were made alive with Christ. We're risen with Christ. We're seated with Christ. And we reign with Christ. I'll list this again for you. We were crucified with Christ. We died with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We're made alive with Christ. We're raised with Christ. We're seated with Christ. And we reign with Christ. Seven aspects of who we are in Christ. Okay, so, so that's true. So what does that have to do with us? What does that mean for us? And that means is, and now let me just illustrate this such an off the cuff here this morning in my introduction, is that that means we are part of a new family. We have a new nature. We have a new identity. We have a new authority. And we have new desires. Because of who we are in Christ, because that we were crucified with Christ, we, we died with Him, we were buried with Him, we were raised with Him. And we have... We have and we're seated with him and we reign with him. We have we are part of a new family because we are in Christ. We have a whole new nature because of who we are in Christ. We're born of his seed. We're born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the enduring word of God. We have a new identity. And we have with that we with that new identity, with that new nature, and part of that we're a child of the king. We're a child of the, we're the son of daughters of God that means we also have new authority and with that we also have new desires for example I have a relationship with God because I want to I read the Bible because I want to I go to church because I want to I'm, I'm kind and loving towards one another because I want to I love my friends and my family because I want to I love my enemies because I want to I know some of those things can be a challenge sometimes, but because of who I am in Christ, I have new desires. I don't have the desires I once had. I have new desires because I have a new nature. I have a new identity. I was crucified with Christ. I, I died with Him. I was buried with Him. I was made alive with Him. I was raised with Him. I'm seated with Him and I reign with Him. That makes sense so far? That's just kind of an introduction as we get going here this morning. So go with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And we'll pick it up with verse 3. Kind of pick it up mid-thought mid here. So I'm going to read some context here, then I'm going to highlight some things. Now, again, I'm picking up mid-thought, and Paul says in verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death, Therefore, we were buried with him 
through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I'm going to come back to verse 4 in just a minute. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, reckon yourselves to be dead and neither sin, and alive to God. In Christ Jesus our Lord. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Everything he's describing, we've been crucified with Christ, we've been raised with Christ, we have this new life in Christ. And it's where? It's in Christ. Okay? Go with me to, back to verse 4. And one thing I'm just really trying to establish, which most of us already know, but I'm just trying to drill this in, as a reminder this morning in my message, that we, church, are in Christ. I hope, as a, your pastor, I hope, as I'm trying to convey to you, that is not just a cliche. That is not just Christianese language. That is not just something we talk about at Easter. But because of what Christ did, of which we celebrate at this time of the year, we are in Christ Jesus. And because we are in Christ Jesus, we have the life of Christ on the inside of us. Amen? Amen? But I want to look at verse 4 again, especially the, the last part of it. Because therefore we were buried with him through baptism to death, starting with this part, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. In other words, in the same way that Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of God, we also should walk in newness of life. The glory of the Father Raise Christ from the dead. And we're going to look at this term glory in just a minute. But the glory of God, the glory of the Father, raised Christ from the dead. And that same glory is alive in us so that we can walk in newness of life. I want you to get that. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead, the same glory of the Father that raised Christ from the dead is living in you so that you can walk in newness of life. That makes sense? That's a key point that I'm trying to convey this morning. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead, that same glory is enabling you to walk in a whole new life. <clears throat> okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5.
We're picking up verse 17. Again, we're picking up mid-thought of what Paul is trying to say here. He says, therefore, and I know that usually when you read the word therefore, you want to read the context. And normally we would. But I want to use this therefore based on what we just read in, in Romans chapter 3 or 6. Therefore, if anyone is where? In Christ. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, things, all things have become new. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead is enabling us to walk in newness of life. Therefore, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. We are of his family. We are of his nature. We are of his identity. We have his authority. And we have his desires. Verse 18, now. And when's now? Now. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry or the ministration of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors, our representatives of Christ, or for Christ. And so God, we're pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, as I always say, there's a lot in here I can elaborate on. But one thing I'm trying to, in the introduction this morning to my message, to convey to you, is that everything we have, see, the same glory that raised Christ from the dead has also raised us from the dead, spiritually speaking, and has given us a new life. Therefore, if we are in Christ, we are a new creation. And what I'm trying to convey also with this, we, because of this, we have a new identity, we have a new nature, we have new desires. Everything we have received, everything we have received, we have received because of who we are in Christ. I want that to sink in. I'm building, I'm, I'm building the case here. Everything we have received we have received because of who we are in Christ. And if something that you have, for example, a sickness, is not of God, and you have received it, then because of who you are in Christ, you can rebuke that sickness and command your body to be healed in Jesus' name. That makes sense? And I'm not, I'm not so much going there right now with my message. But everything we've received, we've received because of who we are. In Christ Jesus. I want to keep painting that picture. I can elaborate a lot more right now, but go with me real quick to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to keep building this point a little bit. 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, But of him you are where? In Christ Jesus. Who became for us? Wisdom from God, 
and righteousness are justification and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Again, I want to read verse 30. By of him you are where? In Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Again, what I just said, everything that we have received, we have received because who we are in Christ Jesus. That includes wisdom, which we're teaching of right now on Sunday mornings. It includes our righteousness. Our, we've been justified before God. We've been sanctified. We've been set apart for God. And God has redeemed us from the curse. We have the mind of Christ. We're going to get into it. We have the presence of Christ. We have the, the purpose of Christ. We have the power of Christ. We have the life of Christ. We have the identity of Christ. We have Christ in us. And we are in Christ. Go with me to John 15. John 15, we'll pick it up again mid-thought here in verse 4. John 15, 4. Jesus is talking to his disciples before he's going to the cross. And he gives this message and he says, Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. We are in Christ, and outside of that relationship... We can do nothing. Christ is in us. We are in Christ. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. Everything we received is because we are in Christ Jesus. And we get this message. I'm going to build on this in just a moment. But we get this message of who we are in Christ. What does this have to do with Easter? Everything. Because Easter, what Easter represents... The death, burial, and resurrection made this possible. Made this relationship possible. The reason Jesus came is because we were separated from God. We were dead, spiritually speaking. We were alienated from God. We were enemies of God. Flesh and blood cannot enter his, enter his presence. But Christ came to reconcile us back to God. God came to make us in right relationship with him. That's what righteousness speaks of. He sanctified us. He redeemed us. He made us righteous and justified before God so that He could have a relationship with us, so that we could be in Christ and Christ could be in us. And now that we are in Christ, we need to continue to abide and make our abode in Him and He in us and have this relationship and maintain this relationship so that it can be fruitful. Because outside of this relationship, we can do nothing. But in this relationship, we can do all things. Through Christ who gives us strength. In this relationship, all we have to do, if, if we desire it, because we, again, I already made mention, if we are in Christ, we have new desires. We have His desires. And if, if there's something that we desire, according to the nature of God that's in us, we, all we have to do is ask, and He said, it is ours. Actually, in, in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus told the disciples six times in those three chapters, if you ask anything in my name, I will give it to you. The key is that we need to abide in him. 
And Jesus made that relationship possible. And I'm not just talking about abiding him spiritually, although that's true. Christ already made that. If we receive Christ, that has already taken place. But I'm also talking about in our minds. I'm going to get there in just a moment. We need to be thinking that way. We need to be focused on that. We need to realize and know in our knower who we are in Christ. That makes sense? We cannot deviate. We cannot come out of that relationship in the way that we think. We must be kingdom-minded. But we just not make sense this morning. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. A lot of what I just shared up to this point has been introduction. But it's introduction to a case that I'm trying to build. And now we're going to start getting to the, the heart of my message. Colossians chapter 1. Making sense? You guys with me so far? I mean, that was just a prequel. Okay? But the, the real thing won't be much different. It's just gonna, I said all that to say where I'm going to now. Okay? Colossians 1, let me read the context and then I'll make some comments. This is a which Paul speaking here. I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory excuse me, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me mightily. I'm going to go back to verse 25. Paul is saying here in his letter to, in his epistle to the Colossians, to Colossae. He says, the purpose of my message, the reason I came, the reason he's writing this book that we also now hear, is that he, he's trying to obey what God told him to go do, to say what God told him to go say. And that is to reveal to us a message, a concept that has been hidden for through the ages. It's been hidden for generations. But now God wants to make it known to you that Christ, and this is the message, this is the mystery that's been hidden, is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Paul said, my entire message as an apostle, a messenger of the gospel of Christ, is to reveal to you something that's been hidden throughout the ages, and that is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection made it possible. John 14, 15, and 16, which we wrote, read a portion of John 15, is the, the message that Jesus said, as he said, he told him in John 16, that it's expedient that I go, that the, the Holy Spirit may come. If I don't go, then I can't live in you, basically. I, my spirit can't lay, 
live in you. But because I go, I come and I cleanse my house. I've reconciled my house. I've sanctified my house by my blood. And now I'm going to fill this house with my glory, with my presence, with myself. And the, the revelation, the mystery that's been hidden throughout the generation, God wants to make it known. God wants you to know this in your knower. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ made this abode happen. And this is the mystery. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That makes sense? We're going to keep focusing on Christ in you, but I want to take a moment here. And I want to expand on this word glory. We've taught, we've taught it before in some different contexts, but I want to dissect this a little bit more here, this, this term glory, in context of everything we're talking about. That make sense? Now, the glory of God has many aspects of it throughout the Old and New Testament. We've seen this, and I want to highlight three of those. I'm not saying these are the only three aspects of the glory of God, but I want to highlight three of those in context of what we're talking about this morning. that okay with you? Okay? The first one is that the glory of God represents the presence of God. And one of the most obvious ways that I, I like to illustrate that is, I mean, just the, the pillar of cloud that, that led in my day in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in Egypt, out of Egypt, in the wilderness, the pillar of fire and by night. I'm reminded of one of the most intimate scriptures I know is when the glory of God, the glory cloud fell on the tabernacle of Moses and Joshua was there. Moses left and Joshua lingered in his presence in the glory cloud. But I also reminded of God's presence when in Leviticus chapter 9 we have the dedication of the tabernacle. In the dedication of the tabernacle, Aaron and Moses had built the tabernacle according to God's specifications. They began to implement the, the Levitical offerings that God had instructed, or which are a foreshadow of the finished work of the cross that we celebrate this week. And it says in Leviticus chapter 9, verse 24, that there are all the preparations have been done. For the burnt offering. Now, on the burnt offering and the sin offering before, uh, we, the sin offering is our sin being ex given to, ex in exchange to the lamb. The lamb is slaughtered for us. And the burnt offering represents his righteousness being exchanged to us. For he who knew no sin became sin, the sin offering, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, the burnt offering. But I, it says that they prepared the offering, specifically the burnt offering. That it says in Leviticus 9.24 that a fire came from heaven, consumed the offering, and his glory filled the tabernacle. So much that they could not enter in. His presence was there. It's also fast forward several years to 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and you have the dedication of Solomon's temple. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verses 1 to 3, Again, they went to, they done everything according to the right specifications. They did the, the Levitical offerings, and specifically the burnt offering that speaks of our righteousness. I mean, we know we're celebrating his, his resurrection. And it says in Romans 4.25 that he was raised for our righteousness, as which the burnt offering represents. But again, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 
as they prepared the burnt, the burnt offering, a fire came from heaven and consumed the burnt offering, and his glory filled the temple so much they could not enter in. His presence was there. Fast forward a few more years, and you come to Haggai chapter 2. And Haggai chapter 2, you have the rebuilding of the tabernacle, the temple. And they were discouraged because it didn't look like anything like Solomon's beautiful temple. But the word of God came through Haggai and said to the people that the glory that filled the latter house will be greater than the glory that filled the former house. Fast forward to the, the Passion Week that we are celebrating this week. And fast forward to the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after the resurrection of Christ, which is the birth of his church. The whole Levitical offerings were an allegory our foreshadow, shadowing what Christ accomplished for us on the cross, where he redeemed his church, where he sanctified his church, where he made us righteous by being our sin offering and being our burnt offering. He cleansed us. He sanctified us. He declared us righteous. He cleansed his house. He cleansed his church. And then in Acts chapter 2, he poured out his spirit upon all flesh as it was prophesied in the prophet in Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And he filled his house, he filled his, his temple, his church. The, the, the book of Hebrews and, and even in, in Corinthians, we see that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We've been bought with a price, with the blood of Jesus Christ. We, according to the scriptures. And we, he has filled this house with his glory, with his presence. Jesus Christ, our hope of glory. That making sense? about the presence of God. Anyway, what I'm trying to point in the picture right now is a, the glory of God paints a picture of the presence of God. And we have many scriptures, especially in the Old Testament, where the glory of God represents His presence. But the glory of God also represents His purpose. In 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 40 in that neighborhood, Paul will talk about the glory of the sun and the glory of the moon and the glory of the stars. He will talk about the glory of celestial beings and the glory of terrestrial beings. He'll talk about the glory of Adam and the glory of our, our new creation in Christ Jesus. Just in, in simple terms. But in, for example, when he's talking about the glory of the sun and the glory of the moon and the glory of the stars, in his glory, the sun has a different purpose than the moon. The moon has a different purpose than the stars. The stars have a different purpose than the, the sun and the moon. The, the purpose of the celestial beings have a different purpose than the terrestrial beings. In the context, he's talking about the glory of each, each uh, thing that God created. And they all have a different purpose. Also in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, verse 7, God says he has created us for his glory. He, he has created us for his purpose. He has created us for his glory. And there's other scriptures I can bring out. But God has... The glory of God represents the presence of God. And the glory of God also represents the purpose of God. The third thing I want you to just highlight is the glory of God also speaks of the power of God. There's a lot of, again, there's a lot of scripture I can highlight, but I want to just highlight in John chapter 11, we have the resurrection of Lazarus. In the midst of that story, in the midst of, uh, and, uh, of Mary and Martha, among others, who were weeping and crying because their brother had died. Jesus made this statement in John chapter 11, verse 40. He said, Did I not say to you, if you believed, 
you would see the glory of God. If you believe, you would see the glory of God. You would see the power of God. In other words, I'm trying to paint a picture when Paul says, I come to, in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Church, we have in us Christ Jesus. We have his presence. We have his purpose. We have his power. We have his nature. We have his authority. We have Christ in us. That makes sense? We have the hope of glory. We have the presence of God. We have the power and purpose of God. And we have the power of God. Am I making sense this morning? And that we, we are carrying his presence. We are carrying his, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hope we are making sense with that. Let me, uh, hope we, uh, let's go to John 17. Let me uh, just amplify this even more. John 17, verse 21. Now, I'm going to pick it up in the middle of a prayer that Jesus was praying to the Father. In John 17, this is also right before Jesus goes to the cross. And he's spending some time praying with the Father. He's praying about many things, but one of the things he's praying for is us. He's praying for his disciples, including us. In the midst of that prayer, we're going to pick it up in in verse 21, John 17, 21, and Jesus prays this. He prays that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So he's talking about unity. That's important to Jesus. But I'm not so much focused on the unity right now. Verse 22 says, and this is key, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. He's given us his glory so we'd be unified. I'm not talking about the energy so much right now. That's important. That's an important topic. I've talked about it before. But I just want to emphasize this part right now. The same glory that the Father gave Jesus, Jesus has given us that same glory. His presence, his purpose, his power, his nature, the same glory that raised Christ from the dead is in us so that we can walk in newness of life, so we can walk and live and do what Jesus did. And we can live. The same glory that the Father gave Jesus is the same glory Jesus has given us. That's powerful. That's profound. If we can grasp that, if we can get a, a, a hold of that, the same glory the Father gave Jesus. Jesus has given us the same glory. Hopefully we can get that. Show me the second Corinthians chapter three. Now go ahead and turn into verse eighteen. But I want to I want to bring you up to speed on some context here in the in the chapter. So. 2 Corinthians 3.18 is the last verse of chapter 3. But in context, beginning with verse 7, 7 through 9 and some following verses, Paul is making a comparison of the ministry of condemnation and death 
with the ministry of righteousness and the Spirit. I've talked at length about that in times past. Paul is making a comparison between two kinds of administrations. The ministry of, 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 of death and condemnation and the ministration of righteousness and his spirit. In context, he also contributes that the ministry of condemnation and death is a law. But in, in context, he also says that the, 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 the ministry of death and condemnation had glory. So much they had to put a veil over Moses' face. It had glory. But it goes on to say that Paul goes on to say that the, minist the ministration of righteousness and the ministration of the Spirit exceeds much more in glory. Paul goes on to say in verses 14 to 16, in the same chapter that we that precedes the verse that we're going to pick it up here, he says that when the that this, the, 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 the glory of the law, law, the glory of the Old Testament, is like a veil. That is blinding our minds. It's, blind, it's not blinding our, so much our, our natural eyes, but it's blinding our spiritual eyes from seeing. It's blinding our minds from comprehending. The only way to remove this veil, even though the, this veil has a glory, the glory of righteousness in his spirit, it exceeds much more in glory. And the only way to remove this blinding veil is to preach Christ, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, 14 to 16. Paul, then Paul says in verse 17, the, the, the verse that precedes this verse, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, the ministry of the Spirit, there is freedom. And with that, we get to verse 18, but we all with an unveiled face, or what's a veiled face? The law, the glory of the law, the, the ministry of condemnation and death, it has glory. The Old Testament, he, he, he even says in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 6, 14, that when the Old Testament is read, a veil lies over their hearts, over their minds. But when we all have an unveiled face, why is it unveiled? Because we preach Christ. And this morning on Resurrection Sunday, we are preaching Christ is alive. Christ has raised the dead from the dead. He has been raised for our righteousness. He has been raised for our justification, the administration of righteousness, the administration of the Spirit that Paul, Jesus was talking about in John 14, 15, and 16 is here. Christ in you, the hope of glory is here. And now when we, with an unveiled face, we are beholding as in the mirror, the mirror of God's Word. And when a mirror is a, is a, is a reflective device. Usually you use a mirror to see your own face. But when we're looking at the mirror of God's Word, we're not seeing our flesh. We're not seeing us in our simple state. No, we're seeing the glory of the Lord. What glory? The glory of the ministry of righteousness. The glory of the ministry of the Spirit. Where there's freedom. And when we behold, when we see, when we get the revelation in the mirror of God's word, that we were crucified with Christ. We were buried with Christ. And now we've been raised together by the glory of God. We've been raised to go... Glory to God so we can walk in newness of life. What life? Because when we behold His glory, not our glory, but in the reflective mirror, we're seeing the glory of God. We are seeing that we are the righteousness of God in Him. We're seeing the ministration of His righteousness. We're seeing Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are transformed, metamorphosed, from a caterpillar to a butterfly. 
We're about, we're transformed. We're into the same image. What image? The image that we are beholding. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we are transformed from glory of the old covenant to the glory of the new covenant. We're transformed from the glory of the law to the glory of grace. In the name, in, as by the Spirit of the Lord. That making sense? I'm hoping that making sense. This is huge. This verse began to change my life back in 2009. I realized I was seeing the wrong image in the mirror. I was seeing my flesh. I was seeing my failures. I was seeing my shortcomings. I was seeing different things. But I began to change. I was seeing the law. I was seeing condemnation. But I began to seek Jesus. And when I saw Jesus in the mirror, when I saw that I was the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, I've been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And I've been raised in righteousness. I've been raised in justification. He had become my wisdom. He had become my righteousness. He had become my sanctification. He had become my redemption. I see now because I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead is now enabling me to walk in newness of life. If that's what I'm not seeing. It goes on. Therefore, since we have this ministry, what ministry? The ministry he was just talking about. The ministry of righteousness. The ministry of his spirit. Since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully but by manifestation of truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is bound, it is bound to those who are perishing. Key verse right here. Whose minds, that's what the veil did, it blinded their minds. Whose minds the God of this age had blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of God. <coughs> Who is the image of God should shine on them. My heart is, I, I wish I could convey everything I want to try to convey right here. First of all, let me just say this. The enemy is going to put all of his ammunition into something that he knows is valuable. Something that he knows will change your life. Something that will, something that's going to be a threat to the kingdom of darkness. And he wants to blind you from the truth, from the gospel, because the same glory that raised Christ is going to enable you to walk in newness of life. It was hidden for the ages. It was even hidden from him. But now it's been revealed. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the glory of God is not an it, it's a who. And it's, it's the image of God. It's the light of the gospel. The light of the gospel of the glory of God is a who. The light of the gospel, the glory of God, is a who. And his name is Jesus. And it's this image of God. It's this glory of the gospel that we see in the mirror of God's word. We were crucified with Christ. We were buried with Christ. We died with Christ. We are made alive with Christ. We are raised with Christ. We are seated with Christ. We reign in Christ. We are part of his family. We are part of his nature. We are part of his identity. We have his authority. We have his desires. 
We can do all things in Christ who gives us strength. Let's say glory that raised Christ from the dead. He is alive in us. And this Christ in us, the hope of glory. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. As we abide in him, his word abides in us. The gospel, his word abides in us. We will be transformed into the same image we're beholding. The image of God. It gets better. But we do not preach ourselves. <coughs> but Christ Jesus, our Lord. In ourselves, your bond service for Jesus' sake. Verse 6. For he is a God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I want to read verse 6 again. For he is a God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Paul said, my message, the purpose of what I preach is to reveal to you Christ and you the hope of glory. He's also saying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, God wants to give you the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. You are in Christ. But he wants you to see it. He wants you to see his face. He wants to see his glory. He wants you to have a knowledge of his glory. But we have this treasure. We have this treasure, this glory in earthen vessels, in jars of clay, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. You have his presence. You have his purpose. You have this power. It's in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead is in you to enable you to live, not for yourselves, but for his glory, for his purpose, for his power, for his honor. <clears throat> that makes sense? You have been bought with a price. You are not his, your own. You have been brought. You are his. <clears throat> and you're okay with that because in him you have new desires. Your desire is his desire. That makes sense? I don't know about you, but I'm sold out to God. I died on the cross. I was buried with Him. I rose in the end of the life. My life is committed to God. I know my flesh rises up with different things, but ultimately, I, I don't care about this thing. I don't care about this life. I want to be here because I want to take as many home with me. I want other people to get this. That's why we do what we do. That's why we do different things. The enemy tries to take us out. They may have tried to take it up many times. People have tried to shut us up, but I will not. I will preach the gospel of Christ. I want you to get this. I want me to get it. So that we can live this and turn our world right side up for Jesus Christ. We have his presence. We have his purpose. We have his power. It's his glory. The earth is filled with his glory. These jars of clay. You and I are filled with the glory of God. The same glory that raised Christ is in you. Hope we're making sense with some of this. Um, let me just highlight some scriptures I actually glanced over. You know, it says in Peter that we are born again, not a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed. We have his glory. We have his nature. He told Nicodemus, what is born of flesh is flesh. But what is born of spirit of spirit. Don't marvel that I tell you that you must be born again. 
We are born again. We have his nature. We have his nature is what? The glory of God. His presence, his power. Once again, let's go here, but let's go to 1 John chapter 5. Verse 12. <clears throat> he who has a son has life, and he who does not have a son of God does not have life. Either you have him or you don't. But if you have him, you have life. You have the glory. You have life. Everything outside of Christ is dead. Everything outside Christ is dead. We need to get that. But we're not outside of Christ. We have the Son of God. You know, I, I read a post on Facebook today. Um, that, not today, it was like, uh, one, this week. And it was like, the Muslims are asking us not to teach that Jesus is the Son of God because it offends them. I'm sorry. Some people need to be offended. Some religions need to be offended. And I'm not here to offend. I'm here to preach Christ and Him crucified. I have the Son of God. And His name is Jesus. And I have life. Because there is no other life outside of the Son of God. I am a child of the King. I am a child of God. Amen? That is the cornerstone of our salvation. Ephesians chapter 3. Go be to Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 17. And I'm preparing to round third base here. And we're getting ready to close here in just a few minutes. I got about three more passages of scripture. Number four. But Ephesians chapter 3, again, we're picking up right in the middle of Paul's prayer. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Church, as a pastor, as a preacher, this is my heart that you would know Christ. That you would be in a relationship with Christ. And you would know his love. You would experience his love. You would be intimate with him. You would abide in him and he abide in you. Because apart from him you can't do nothing. You would be, you would be in love the love of Christ. That you might be filled with the very fullness of God. The fullness of his glory. The fullness of his presence. The fullness of his purpose. The fullness of his power. The fullness of the image of God and the likeness of God. It says in John chapter 1 that of his, of his fullness we have received and grace for grace. If we are in Christ, we have the fullness of God. You either, you either are, you have the Son of God or you have none of Him. You either have the fullness of God or you have none of Him. But if you are in Christ, if you are born again, born of his seed, born of his nature, I didn't read it, but 1 John chapter 3 says, um, uh, Behold what manner of blood it is that we are called the children of God. We are born of God. We have his fullness. We need to get that. This is not just a cliche. 
These are not just Easter verses to read during Easter time. This is the gospel of Christ. You have the fullness of God on the other side of you. That's deep. That is profound. And that verse proceeds, verse 20, that says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we what? Ask and even think. I don't know about you, and this goes back to what I talked about earlier, that we can ask anything in his name. Jesus said six times before he went to the cross. He said six times, and talking about us receiving the fullness of Christ, the fullness of his spirit. And he said it was expedient that he goes that we could ask. I don't know about you, but there's a lot I've asked, but there's a lot I've thought. And I don't know about you, but I have a wild imagination. I know there's things I've dreamed about for the kingdom of God. I know there's things that God has put in my heart. I know there's dreams that God has given me in the night. I know there's been times when the enemy has tried to take me out, and other people have tried to take us out. I'm not trying to gloat now. I'm not trying to glorify now. But I am here to shove it right back in enemy's face and say, I will do what God's called me to do. I will be who God's called me to be. I will say what God's called me to say. I have the kingdom of God. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I have the fullness of God. Get this in, that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. That we ask or think according to the power, his fullness, that is already alive in us, that works in us. This power is not just One thing I've been trying to teach this morning, relate this morning, that Christ has made his residence, taken up residence on the inside of us. He's taken his abode on the inside of us. He has been, we have been filled with his fullness. But he's not just there camping out. He's not just there watching television. He is there working. He's out working at us. He's at work. It says in Philippians chapter 2, verse, verses 12 and 13, He's at work to will and to deal with His good pleasure. Christ is working in us. He's doing what? He's, he's, <coughs> he's filled us with His presence. He's filled us with His purpose. He's filled us with His power. Because there's work to do. There's a kingdom to establish. He told him the 12, he told the 70, he's told the church, go and preach the kingdom of God is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead. Freely you receive, freely give. Folks, there's a calling. There's a destiny on your life. There's a purpose for your life. I don't care what has happened. I don't care what you've done wrong. I don't care how the enemy's trying to take you out. I don't care about this. I don't care about that. It's not that I don't care. I do care for you. But I trust the word of God. And he has a purpose for your life. He has a calling for your life. And whatever is in the way, whatever is not happening, I speak it into life in Jesus' name. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead is the same glory that is in you to live a new life, to live a purposeful life, to live a powerful life, to live a productive life to the glory and majesty of our God. That's why Christ is in here. That's why Christ is in us. There's a destiny. There's a purpose for your life. There's a purpose for me. There's a purpose for this church. There's a purpose in the kingdom of God. And in our Christ came to reconcile us back to God. He came to fill us with his presence. He came to fill us with his purpose. He came to fill us with his power. 
same book, different prayer, but same passion. And Paul says, praise him, and we're, again we're picking up right in the middle of the prayer. But Paul's praying, beginning verse 17, Ephesians 1, 17. Paul is praying. Get his heart. Get his heart in this church. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of what? Glory. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead. May give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. He wants you to get this knowledge. He wants to get you this revelation. That the eyes of your understanding are being enlightened. He wants you to see his glory. He wants to see Christ in you to hope your glory. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Not for the saints, but in the saints. His glory, his inheritance is on the inside of you. You are born of his seed. You are born of his nature. His glory is in you. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Verse 19, and what is the seeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Paul is praying. He wants you to get this. He wants your eyes to be open that you can see Christ in you, the hope of glory. You would know his glory. You would know his presence. You would know his fullness. You would know his purpose. You would know his power. You would see his glory, Christ in you, the hope of glory. God doesn't want you to settle for second best. God doesn't want you to settle for the, for the wilderness when he's promised you a promised land. God doesn't want you to settle for any type of sickness, any type of calamity, any type of division. He wants you to settle for the purpose and power and presence of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is the same glory that raised Christ from the dead. It's in you so you can walk in newness of life. In newness of life. Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. I was reading this a couple months ago, and this is the verse that spurred on this whole message. It's kind of my conclusion. But then everything else came out of this verse in my heart. I basically, usually I would read this and then speak my message out of this verse. But I, I want to do this in reverse order. I said everything I said this morning to say this. That makes sense? I said everything I said this morning to say this. I know the screen just went off. Ignore all that. Colossians 3. If you don't have a Bible, just give me your good ear. And a lot of it just came from this first phrase. 
in the first verse. If then you were raised with Christ. If then you were raised with Christ. And I just kept, I'm just going to share with you the raising. I heard it in my heart. And I just kept repeating that first phrase over and over again. If then you were raised with Christ. I know it's a condition. It starts with the word if. If then you were raised with Christ. It's an incomplete sentence unless I finish the rest of the sentence. And we're saying, if you are raised with Christ, then this should be. Church, everything I've been trying to tell you this morning is you are raised with Christ. That is your identity. That is your nature. That is the gospel. If then you were raised with Christ, seek and pursue the things which are above. Not the things of this earth. Not your troubles. Not your challenges. Not what Satan says you can't do. But pursue those things which are above. Where Christ is. Sitting. At the right hand of God. Remember I said that we're not only crucified with Christ. We're not only died with Christ. We're not only buried with Christ. We're not only raised with Christ. We're not only uh, made alive with Christ. But we're also sitting with Christ. Because we're sitting with Christ. Because we're going to reign with Christ. He's sitting at the right hand of God. On the throne. Set your mind on things above. Because you are raised with Christ, set your mind on Him. Set your mind on what He says about you. Set your mind on things what He says you are and you have. Because everything we have, you see, we understand because we are raised with Christ. We are in Christ. Set your mind on what God has called you to be. Set your mind on what God's destiny for your life. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died with, died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your, your life, you died, and your life is hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. I didn't read one verse. I want to go back. Excuse me. It just came back. Go with me to First John. Sorry, I, I skipped this and I, I'm just reminded I need to go back here. First John chapter three. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. Verse one. That we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it does not know him. Verse 2. Beloved. Now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But I want you to hear this last part. But we know. That when he, Jesus, is revealed. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I wish I said read this earlier back, but I'll tell you now. When he is revealed, 
Paul's message in Colossians is to reveal to us Christ in you the hope of glory. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is praying that your eyes would be enlightened, that you would get the this revelation, Christ in you. When you get that revelation, when you see Christ in the mirror, when he's revealed to your heart, and you're no longer looking in the mirror and seeing flesh, but you're seeing his glory when he is revealed. When you see, he says, it says in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that when we see his glory in the mirror, we'll be transformed into the same image we're seeing. When he is revealed to us, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall be like him. The same glory that raised Christ from the dead is enabling you to walk in newness of life. You will walk in that newness of life when you see him as he is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you see his glory, when you see his presence, when you see his purpose, when you see his power, when you see his nature, when you see him, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that's when, that is when you see him as he is, because how is he right now? He's in you. He is a righteous God. He has sanctified you. He has redeemed you. Christ is in you. And when you see him as he is, you shall be like him. You can walk as Jesus walked. You can do the things Jesus called you to do. One more passage of scripture, Philippians chapter 4. That making sense what I just read there? That is key. If you get what I just said, it will revolutionize your life. It will ultimately revolutionize your life if you get what I just said. First John 3. But God, uh, Philippians chapter 4. One last time, we'll pick up the thought. We'll, we'll start verse 12. He says, I know, Paul said, I know how to be a base and I know how to be a bound. Everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things. Christ who strengthens me. Paul said, I know what it means to be a base. I know what it is to man. I know what it is to have without, and I know what it is to have enough. I know what it means to be attacked, and I know what it means to be encouraged. I know what it means. I've been, Paul's been through it. He's been persecuted. He's been encouraged. He's going through it. But that doesn't motivate him. What motivates him is Christ in him, the hope of glory. What motivates him is, I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. Because when I see him, I will be like him. That makes sense? The same glory that raised Christ has raised you. And is continuing to raise you to walk in newness of life. We can't walk this life. Jesus said, once we abide in him, he abides in us. We can do nothing. 
but he is in us. And we are in him. We have his identity. We have his nature. We're part of the memory of God. We have the Son of God. We have life. We have his presence. We have his purpose. We have his power. The same power, the same, the same glory that raised Christ from the dead is living and is abiding and is working in you to do exceedingly and abundantly more than you ever ask or imagine according to his power that is what living in you. And when you will be like him when you see him as he is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Lord, we magnify you. We magnify you. We don't magnify the problems. We don't magnify what Satan has said and done. We magnify Jesus. We magnify you. We thank you, Lord, that you are alive. You are alive. Your kingdom has come. Your will has been done. We wear the victor's crown. Christ is in us. We worship your majesty. We worship you, our Lord, our King and our God. We magnify you, our Lord. We thank you, Lord, that our Redeemer lives. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We praise you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that your body was broken for us. We thank you for the blood of your new covenant. Lord, we come and we want to live and do the things you call us to do. Lord, we want to be who you said we could be. We want to do what you said we could do. We want to go where you said we could go. We want to say what you told us to say. We can do all things. We can do all things through you who strengthens us. Thank you, Lord. Worship you. Happy Resurrection Day. God bless you.